Psalm 105, verse 4, we read earlier, says, Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. I wonder how you hear those words. Just checking in your own heart, soul, this morning, where you are as you walk in uh, to this space. How do you hear those words? Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his presence continually. Uh, My honest guess is that many of us hear this exhortation to seek the Lord and think of a kind of uh, uh, continuous, intentional pursuit that these words imply, and then we feel bad for how little we seek after God. We can go through hours or days, weeks, maybe even months and years in our lives with little focused attention given, given to him. We're often so busy and distracted, spinning around on the hamster wheel of life, that some of the only time that God receives our attention, our directed focus, is when we're gathered like this on a Sunday or in a weekday at a neighborhood group. But honestly, even during those times, it's hard not to daydream like some of you are doing right now about your life that's so busy and going on outside of these times. And when we finally have some leisure time, or some margins in our lives, if we have that at all. We're so spent and exhausted that it's all that we can do to actually just turn on the TV and be entertained by sports or a movie or our favorite show. There's the real possibility that some of you hear this exhortation, seek the Lord and his strength, seek his presence continually. And instead of feeling intrigued, or drawn in, or excited at all, you just feel guilty, or ashamed, or tired. Even though we love God, you love God, I love God, even though we know that he is our life, it's true that God may at times just feel like one more person that we have to please, to measure up to, to be successful with, and we know that we're failing at that. So this just becomes another unfulfilled obligation in my life, which I didn't really want to hear about this morning, and I'd rather just turn on the TV, or at least shut off Mark's voice right now. Seek the Lord and seek his strength. Seek his presence continually. So the psalm uh, challenges us and challenges our our uninspiring and deflating way of hearing this exhortation in a really wonderful way, a way that we need. And I hope that this morning we can unpack that a little bit and hear these words in the way in which they're meant to be heard and allow God to do a good work in our own hearts this morning, knowing that we're coming from all over the place, all different experiences with God this week or in our lives. Some of us are coming hungry and thirsty this morning. Others of us feel really numb and out of place, out of sorts. So wherever you're coming here this morning from, I'm hopeful that you'll walk away hearing this exhortation in the way in which it's meant to be heard and being drawn into the God who is behind it. The way the psalm rehabilitates our hearing 
is by changing our view of who is calling us to seek him. God is not the obligation that we're failing. He's not the angry and exacting father that's always disappointed with us. But he's the God of life who has already been seeking us. So when we're told to seek the Lord in his strength, to seek his presence continually, the one that we're called to seek, this psalm teaches us and celebrates for us, is the one who has sought us. And sought us not to expose us, not to crush us, not to push us away, but to give us life, to give us his life. This psalm celebrates the wondrous works of God. In verse 2 and verse 5, in the opening of this psalm, it uses that expression, the wondrous works of God to give life to his people. That's what the psalm is excited about and celebrating. In verses 7 through 11, if you've got your Bible, you can open up to Psalm 105. In verses 7 through 11, as we read, it remembers, the psalmist remembers the covenant that God made with Abraham. To you, I will give the land of Canaan as your portion for an inheritance. It goes all the way back to that moment after Babel when human beings were kind of in disarray, when they had rejected God, when they had rejected his desire to give them life and instead chosen a pathway of death instead, that God chose to act in an unforeseen way, in a unilateral way, and to call this man Abraham into his own possession, to be his own, and through this man Abraham to bless the world. Just out of darkness, this word of life comes. And the psalmist is remembering that, remembering this covenant that God made with Abraham, but not just remembering that God spoke this word into being, verses 7 through 11, but then verses 12 all the way through to verse 41, remembering the rescue and the provision of this God for them as a people, sending Joseph ahead of them into Egypt to prepare a way for them to be preserved through famine, miraculously so, if you remember the story of Joseph in Genesis 38 to 50. And then in Exodus, God hears their cry after hundreds of years of growth and blessing, but now oppression under slavery in Egypt. And he responds to their cry and comes, sends Moses and Aaron, verse 26, and then feeds them as he's brought them out through the plagues and then feeds them in the wilderness, guiding them with the fire by night and the cloud by day. This is the God who is seeking his people and going to great lengths to seek us and to bring life and blessing to us. Of course, we see the seeking of God most clearly in the light of Jesus, don't we? That here God enters into the mess in his own person, in the person of his son, and undergoes a tremendous suffering. By his initiative, the light shining in the darkness, that word of God spoken to bring life and brings us to himself. And Jesus says, look, the reason I'm here in John 10 is that you might have life and have it abundantly. That's why I came. I didn't come to make you feel bad. I didn't come to be another thing on your checklist. I didn't come, you know, to make your life miserable, but I came to bring you life, abundant life. I came to make you have joy and to make your joy complete, to put my joy in you, he says. I came to give you peace, even though you're troubled. 
or one of my favorites, I came to give you rest. All you who are wearied and heavy laden. This is why he came. To bring these things to us as his people. And this is the perspective that we get in the scriptures over and over again about God. From probably the most well-known psalm in the, psalm, in the Psalter, the Lord is my shepherd. And because he's my shepherd, I shall not want. But he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Amazing, beautiful picture. We love that word. The end of Psalm 16, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, this is really important for this exhortation, in your presence there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his presence continually. In that presence there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Psalm 36, how precious is your steadfast love, O God. The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your delights. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light do we see light. The psalm changes the way we hear the exhortation. Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his presence continually by revealing to us again and celebrating the fact that God is the God of life who is seeking after you. The God of life who's intervening and making provision for and feeding you. That's the one that we're called to seek. And this is the God that we desperately need So if you think about the end of this recounting of God's acts in history in verses 39 to 41, he spread a cloud for a covering and fire to give light by night. They asked and he brought quail and gave them bread from heaven in abundance. He opened the rock and water gushed out. It flowed through the desert like a river. They couldn't have survived in the wilderness without him. We desperately need him. Sometimes we seek for God. Um, Like I've had the experience, you know, running out the door and throwing a lunch together and like thinking, oh, I need dessert. You know, I got to find some dessert in the cabinets and I'll start looking through. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of looking. But this is more like uh, I'm running out the door and I can't find my keys or I can't find my wallet kind of seeking. Huge qualitative difference in what I need from those things. I need you, God. Do you feel that way this morning about God? That you desperately need him? You know, if you leave home without your wallet, there's no way you're going to get anywhere. It's got your tea card, whatever else. You can't buy anything. You can't exist in the city, and wh- which is why you're frantically searching for it and seeking it. Not only do we need him, but we want him. And that's why the psalmist exhorts us to seek his presence continually, because God is not just the sum total of what he gives to us, as much as we need those things that he gives. Strength. So seek the Lord in his strength. You need strength to make it through the wilderness. But he also himself is the great goal. He is the end himself. He's not a means to an end. And God himself, his presence is what we long for. The one who fulfills us, the one who meets us who satisfies us, 
Jesus compares himself to living water. He says, after you drink of me, you'll never thirst again. Because this is what you're ultimately longing for. You're longing for me. For life, for joy, for peace. And you're looking for those things all over the place as you're on the hamster wheel. Trying to find them. Seeking after them and all kinds of other things. But, but you find them in me. So you not only need me, but you desperately want me. Even if you don't know it, all of your desires are meant to point to me. So heard rightly then, this exhortation in Psalm 105 verse 4 is an exhortation to feast on the life-giving God himself. When we ignore the exhortation, when we give little conscious attention to God in our day-to-day lives, we are much like, we're like those who enter into a beautiful banquet hall with a feast set on the table before us, who delight ourselves merely in nibbling on cheese and crackers in the corner. Yeah, it tastes sort of good and satisfies us, kind of, but the reality is, is there's a, a feast to be explored that's laid out before us that we stubbornly refuse to come and partake in because we're so distracted by everything else. This is an invitation this morning to come and feast on the God of life in your life. Who gives us what we need. Who brings us satisfaction and rest and contentment. Who calls us to get off out of the rat race and to seek him. I hope you can hear it in that way. And I want to explore just how for a minute, how do we seek him? But before we get into even any of that, I just want you to hear it in that way. This is an invitation to think about your life. And my prayer is that you walk out of here this morning and desire to seek him more in some small way over the course of this week to start to explore the feast that's been set before you. Psalmist, whom have I in heaven but you? There is nothing on earth I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Do you catch both need and want in that? My heart and my flesh may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. I need you, but there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. I want you. Do you know that about the living God? Is that true? And I want to say that very clearly, if we have encountered him as he is, truly as he is in himself, that we will never doubt that he is all that we need and all that we want. If, on the other hand, he is obscured, we have an Im, uh, uh, an. an, an an ungodly vision of God, of a vision that's obscured by our own experiences and ways, then we may see God as an optional extra on the side, like dessert. We desperately need him. So how do we seek him? How do we seek him? You know, historically, in the time-honored way of talking about the ways in which we pursue God is this word spiritual disciplines that we take up underneath the grace of God, behind the initiative of God, 
which is supporting and strengthening and nurturing all of this, but we take up these practices, these time-honored practices that have become the place, the knife edge, where we as human beings encounter the living God. Again, we have an initial reaction to something like this, don't we? Ah, I'm terrible at prayer. I don't know how to engage the Bible. I hate being alone or quiet. And so we react to those things negatively. I'm not good at them. I don't like them. I want to move away from them. And yet, of course, when you set out on January 1st to go to the gym and make it your aim to become a fit and healthy human being, once again, the first few days of that regimen that you set out to do are pretty painful, and they're kind of jolting. Or maybe it takes a couple weeks of joy to turn into the, the monotony and the drudgery of going that early in the morning to do those exercises. There's a reality here that to be woken up to the reality of God requires some kind of disjointedness with the status quo that initially will be challenging. But if you stick with that for months on end, eventually you look forward to going to the gym. You look forward to being alone. You look forward to being quiet because you'll know that in that space that you're finding strength and health and life in ways that you didn't know before you went through the pain of those early steps. And this is in a way what the tradition has said about how to answer this call of seeking the Lord. It's to take up these practices that historically throughout the history of the communion of saints, people have taken up as a means of engaging with and feasting on the delights of God. And so instead of a downer, these practices are pathways to a fuller and richer experience of the God who seeks us and gives us life. Not a way of self-help or self-improvement. Underneath his grace and kindness, God has given us these means to hear his voice, to encounter his presence, it's interesting. So I picked up two books again this week, just two classics on the spiritual disciplines and thinking about this. Richard Foster's Celebration of the Dis- Disciplines and Dallas Willard's The Spirit of the Disciplines. And it's interesting that the title of their opening chapters, for Foster, it's The Door to Liberation. And for Willard, it's The Easy Yoke. Again, kind of the opposite of what we might expect without reflecting on it, of a book that you're opening up to learn about these practices that you know are going to be challenging, but both of them give insight just through the chapter titles of the fact that this is a pathway to life, a pathway to rest, to fullness. What, what are some of the disciplines that we can take up to seek the Lord and his strength, to seek his presence continually? Uh, Foster divides them into three groups, inward, outward, and corporate, and he says meditation, prayer, fasting, study, those are the inward. Outward is simplicity, solitude, submission, and service. And the corporate ones are confession, worship, guidance, and celebration. Willard's breakdown are in abstinence and engagement. And under abstinence, he talks about solitude, silence, fasting, frugality, chastity, secrecy, and sacrifice. We love abstinence, don't we? And then engagement, study, worship, celebration, service, prayer, fellowship, confession, submission. I want to encourage you, perhaps, as you think about this throughout the week, just to pick one of these and set aside some time this week to be alone, perhaps. Maybe it's 10 minutes every day. 
or set aside some time for, for study if that's been challenging for you. Or maybe if you're the kind of person who studies all the time and just processes information, take some time to meditate upon a particular verse of Scripture. And don't allow your brain to keep processing, but just to sit with God in the quiet. The reality is that taking space and time to hear this exhortation from Psalm 104 will be challenging, but will lead us to feast on the life of God in a deeper and more rich way in our own experience to get off the wheel that's spinning all the time and to to find what our soul desperately needs and longs for in our restoration with God himself. Last thing I want to say is that there is a circularity and an ongoing process to this in our lives. It's interesting to me, Augustine used Psalm 105 verse 4 in his great work on the Trinity at the beginning, the middle, and the end. For Augustine, that work of deep thinking about the person of God, the triune nature of God, was for him a way of seeking after his presence, of knowing him. But one of the things that Augustine says is he says, let us then seek as those who are going to find, and find as those who are going to go on seeking. We take steps along this path of knowing the Almighty Creator and Redeemer, and we find Him, and our souls are satisfied and restored. Our thirst is quenched, but there's always more room to explore and to go. You remember that part at the end of the last battle in the Narnian series where they're they're on into Aslan's country, and it just keeps unfolding before them with further and further dimensions, and that's the being of God. God's depths will never be reached for all eternity we have to explore his presence, which is that feast, that river of delights that brings us what we long for and what we need. I know all of you, most of you, I can't speak for all, but I know most of you here have found and tasted of the goodness of God. You've drank a draft of the living water and you've found your soul at rest. You have, or you wouldn't be a part of this community seeking after Jesus. But I also know, and can speak about myself as well, that you're still thirsty. At times, you're still restless. And that there's more of this God to pursue. There's more space to be made in our busy lives for the life-giving God who's seeking after us. My encouragement is to hear his call to you this morning to give him that space and to hear these words of exhortation from your loving Father through Psalm 105, verse 4. Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his presence continually.